0: What's up, guys? I'm Matt.
1: I'm Will. And this is the Carolina Way Podcast. Bernard to the 40. Will they catch him?
0: Inside the 20. Giovanni Bernard. Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. The ceiling is the roof. That's what it's all about right
1: there. That's
0: on the floor. That's on your shirt.
1: Matt, we said it last week that this weekend was huge for North Carolina because basketball is officially back. I know we say basketball is back with late night, and sure, we get to see a little bit of exhibition, but there's nothing like seeing our heels just throttle an opponent like we saw on Friday night, and then follow it up with a football game on Saturday, and here we are with the regular season on Tuesday night, uh, probably the day of you hearing this podcast, so... Very exciting times for this very talented and deep men's basketball team.
0: Yeah, you know, we got excited about football, Will, and we were a little out of our element. But I'll tell you, Carolina fans know how to get excited about a basketball season, and it is that time of the year. Um, The exhibition game gave me hopes uh, of what we could be. The football game gave me hopes of what the football team could be, and I'm really excited about the game tomorrow night. It should be a great pod.
1: Yeah, I would like to preface that Matt and I went to the exhibition game together. We got there very early. We showed out. Um, So if anything goes wrong tomorrow, I don't think we're going to the game together, but we'll both of course be there. So if we'll see how tomorrow goes. And if it goes sour in terms of performance, we'll be sitting together on Friday for sure. So tomorrow can be a good little test to see, um if you know if we need to be sitting together or not at the game but um our energy level dean's is gonna be rocking tomorrow i love one of the things i loved from the exhibition game was allowing all the fans to move down into the lower level you got a great excitement and energy for the game um and we i mean we did all the things that we thought we would be doing this season is my takeaway from it first and foremost before we get into the actual Individual players. I mean, we rebounded very well, I thought, throughout the entire game. We didn't really have lapses with letting the other team get offensive rebounds. Um, We, of course, still didn't always defend the three ball excellently, but we were so strong down low that they didn't really have any easy baskets.
0: Yeah, uh, the game was a little closer than we wanted early on, but man, in the second half, we came out and we looked like the team that we will be this season, um, but there were some big things that happened early on, Will, that me and you could not believe, and we've talked about this subject a lot. The starting five came out about five minutes before the game, and me and you looked at each other and were like, what? There's no way this happened. There was an obvious name missing out of this starting five, Will, Leaky Black, um, very shocking. Uh, The sole real Carolina senior on the team is amazing to see.
1: Matt, this started 12 hours prior when UNC basketball put out the graphic of the team captains for this year. And in the past years, I don't know if we've ever really put out a graphic or really highlighted who the team's captains were. I know that this is something that's voted on by the players. So it's not even like a coaching staff decision that may happen in other sports teams. That our actual players all voted on our captains. And our, I guess, really only sole senior, there may be a walk-on that's a senior, but the only one that has really had game experience is Leaky Black. And the thing is, not only is he a senior, but he's been starting for the Tar Heels. I don't even want, look, I don't want to know how many games he started as a Tar Heel, but he started a ton of them, yet yeah, he's not the captain. And on Twitter, you know, you just had to click on the graphic and everyone was talking about Leaky. And the interesting thing I saw was how many people were defeating Leaky. It was like, oh, you know, like he's, he's a quiet leader. Well, you know, Mia Hamm was a quiet leader, but she was still captain. So I don't, you know, we don't need to hear that just because he isn't loud, he can't be a captain. Um, but I think it does say a lot for how maybe the season will go Uh, you know, in terms of bench contributions. I mean, we said how deep we are. And, you know, it seems like from what Hubert's been saying, you have have to have great defense if you want to be able to get on the court because that's the only separator within some of these players on the team, especially so early in the year. And if he has buy-in to it, I think he'll definitely get a lot of playing time because his defense can uh, really be like starter level. But if, you know, he doesn't get captain, he doesn't start the exhibition the first few games of the year. You know, I don't know if he's ever dealt with that type of adversity before. So kind of interested to see if he, you know, still wants to be a part of the program. I know that's a lot to say, but, you know, we just haven't seen him tested in terms of just not getting playing time.
0: Yeah, and we don't know how he'll react. Uh, I know they asked Coach Davis if he had had a conversation with Leaky about not starting, and he said he did not. Um, that he didn't feel that was needed. So you know, whatever that means, I really can't read too much into it, but it is a huge change. I don't care what anybody says. um this is kind of the first sign we saw before the even the, the Hubert Davis era really started on the court. This is the first sign we saw that maybe uh, Coach Davis is different from Roy Williams um because. I would guess that Roy would probably never bench Leakey after being a three-year starter. So um, I'm not saying if it's, you kind of, our fans know how I feel, but Leakey has to show what his worth is. He has to show if he's not going to be like the best basketball player on the court, he at least needs to be a great leader, whether that's just working hard and showing people how to work hard uh, or, or just being the older guy. But obviously it hasn't, um came along like he had hoped and uh, coach Davis has to do us best for the team and what gets the team further and it seems that right now Leaky not being in starting five is the best bet
1: you know we did kind of clown Leaky a little bit because he had a, like I think a mistake or two during the game but I think that was in terms of just the minutes he was giving the team probably some of his better play that we've ever seen I know UNC basketball put out the very nice cross court bounce pass in the breakaway and no one else on the team did anything like that in that exhibition game. I know one player tried to bounce pass at one point in transition and it got kicked, I believe, right. And, you know, it probably could have been an easy lob for a dunk and, you know, Leakey's pass actually got through. So I think, and I don't remember, trust me, I would remember if Leakey missed a three. So I think that he wasn't really shooting as much as we see him do either. So, you know, I know it's early, but it seems like he at least in terms of what he was doing on the court, seemed to have responded in terms of what we actually need him to do on the court.
0: Yeah. And Leaky has always kind of been pretty good in spurts. Like Leaky maybe doesn't have the best game, but he does every once in a while, you know, make a smart decision, make a great pass, or even uh, get a bucket when we need it. So I don't think this is necessarily bad for Leakey. I don't know how he feels, but maybe going in there with that second unit, being the leader, being the ball handler, um, and kind of getting those minutes where he can be the guy with the ball will be good for him. We'll find out soon enough. We'll probably find out uh, within the next 24 hours, actually, um, because it'll be a legit game that matters and counts in the win and loss column. But it's going to be exciting to see.
1: Yeah, and not only was he just a bench player, he was the ninth man on the court from the team something that we didn't expect either we said before the game as anti-leaky guys we would have him at like seven or eight yet he was nine i mean and that was and we even thought other freshmen you know could styles might get in before him and styles even got in after leaky so i mean i guess hubert didn't have the conversation with leaky because they've been having so many practices i'm sure you know where you are in the pecking order before that like before you get to the exhibition games you know but i mean that is kind of interesting to see um but in terms of hubert davis's i guess coaching philosophy you know i you gotta let me know tomorrow if he's throwing out the shirts because we didn't really look forward in the exhibition but i, I do want to know if he does that to the students before the game or if he has a new um thing that he does for the students um he was walking up and down the court we noticed consistently the whole game, yelling at them on defense.
0: Yeah, we're going to really find out who, who Hubert Davis is when Michigan comes to town and, and ACC play starts. And I'm really excited to see, you know, what kind of guy he is, just under pressure or when things get intense. And I'm sure he'll be great. Um, but Leakey starting, or not starting for that matter, uh, was not the only news or the only change. Right out the gate, we saw that Hubert Davis is running a little bit of a different offense uh, than Roy Williams did for the past, you know, uh, 15 years. So Roy obviously would have his two traditional bigs in there and, and you know, a point guard and a shooting guard. Well, we start out with Baycott, traditional big, but we put Garcia at the four. And Garcia, right out the gate, scores our first points, a three. 6'11 man shooting a three. We're not used to seeing
1: this as Carolina fans. What was your first thought about that, Will? I said this probably five times that night. It's a new era. Yeah. <laughs> it's a new era. I mean, we never see things like that. We even saw Armando Bacot shoot and make a three. Yeah. Just like um, in rhythm, too. So we shot quite a few threes early on in the first eight minutes of the game. And I know we are shooting at one point like two or four, maybe three or six. And then we kind of went through a stretch while probably switching up lineups that we probably hadn't played around with too much before getting some other um, untraditional lineups that we probably won't see too much. I think we probably got out of our offensive rhythm later in the first half. And then we bounced back with shooting a little more threes. The guys that we thought would be taking the shots were felt a little bit more natural, But the first few minutes is when I felt the best about the basketball team. We were doing some alley-oop plays. Uh, I mean, the scoring just came really easy to us. I mean, it was so nice that not only could Garcia make threes, but then he was also active with the glass. Brady Manick, Lord, he was blocking shots and getting rebounds and, uh, you know, tipping balls back out. And we were getting second and third opportunities with guys that we know can be very potent from three.
0: Yeah, I mean, because Garcia ended up our leading scorer, I want to say, was 17. But Manic and Baycott both had 16. So I'm confident in saying that our bigs are never going to be or don't seem to be a problem for now and for the season. Um, but even RJ and Caleb, while they didn't have like crazy stat lines, they both looked so much more comfortable, in my opinion. Uh, more in control. Obviously, less nerves. Even with their first real crowd at the Dean Dome. Um, they looked like sophomores rather than freshmen. So that was that gave me a little bit of a, a ease because obviously Caleb had his struggles last year. RJ didn't shoot the ball as well as he wanted to. But I think uh, it was kind of a sign of, wow, they've uh, had one year under their belt and it's really
1: helped them. And maybe it's just because we've seen Armando play, you know, for so long already and we hadn't seen Manic and Garcia, but I thought Mondo had a very quiet performance performance even though he had still 16 points and probably plenty of rebounds too I just felt like I was never like seeing him do anything and then next thing you know like oh yeah he had 16 points yeah I think
0: I don't mean to cut you off but Elizabeth City State tried to come out in that like it was like a 3-2 zone and that just opens it up for that lob so I'm pretty sure Mondo literally scored like eight points in the first four minutes of the game and like three of them were lobs but he kind of uh, was quite quiet for the rest of the game, but it's because Manick comes in and balls out, and Garcia comes in. You, you know, you only have one basketball. Everybody can't score down there. But it was good to see, like, I'll be happy with that all season if Mondo has a great first five minutes, then Garcia has a good five minutes, and then Manic has a good five minutes. I'll take that. And it gives them. I'm sure they'll take it because it gives them much needed rest.
1: I, I just can't believe Brady Manic came off the bench, and we still talked about him as much as we did. Yeah. It's a good sign. Absolutely. And, like, even Kerwin, I don't know if he was shooting too well the other night. I don't think that he had probably too many. But we know how good he is from 3-2 and just scoring in general. So that's going to be coming for us. Um, I thought Justin McCoy, we talked about him with George and Chandler about how he could be our, like, best guy off the bench. He didn't have the game that he wanted to. Not going to hold it against him. I'm sure he'll have plenty of opportunities this week with two games to get back on track. So still looking to see what he's all about, but yeah, I mean, we talked about how deep we are and I mean, I'm, I just can't, this is one thing where you don't want to be leaving games early because then you, you want to see like the freshmen play. We haven't even gotten to um, like, I guess the garbage time, which wasn't even garbage time with, with not even having walk-alls on um, during that time period. And
0: don't leave early if you want to see Leaky play. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, kidding, I'm joking. Just kidding. He, um, he's not. He's not <laughs> he's, kidding. So I did find it. You bring up Kerwin, and he didn't have a great shooting game, but I don't think he shot a lot. I did notice one thing: the the team defense wasn't great, and I'll be the first to admit that. And and a lot of that is just effort, and it's kind of hard to to get into that in your first game uh, against a smaller opponent, but. Kerwin, while he didn't have a great offensive game, I thought his individual defense was very good. And and Coach Davis hit on that um, in the uh, pregame conference about how he expects Kerwin to be a great defender this year and he's pushing him to be. And it kind of showed up on the court, in my opinion.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, there's plenty of possessions that went wait, very late in the shot quite right. And sometimes they get bailed out with the last second shot. But we were kind of holding our own for for most of it, and then we had maybe a lapse. But Kerwin was very good with stopping them with like the second and third attempts with driving to the lane. Yep. And then the last
0: part of the game was kind of we got to see for the first time Dontre Styles and DeMarco Dunn. Um, Dunn didn't do anything special, but also didn't do anything wrong, which is important because it's easy to go in there as a freshman, turn the ball over, and do some bad things, and he didn't. Um, But Dontrez Styles came in, and right away you knew he was in because this man jumped higher than anybody on the court, um, and Vince Carter was on the court, and got the (laughs) rebound. And you knew right away, oh, this guy is going to be very good because he just has the athletic ability to be great at Carolina.
1: Dontrez Styles got up like Russell Westbrook going for his 10th rebound to record a triple-double with Carmelo Anthony on the court. And he's down 20. And he's down 20. That's how high he went up. And he, <laughs> it was so funny. There's like three guys around. But he just went up so much higher just to get that one rebound. Um, he reminds me a little bit of the athleticism of Nasir, except bottled up into more of a guard position.
0: Yeah, Nasir Little is a great comparison. I saw that right away. I'm like, oh, this guy, especially his role as a freshman, isn't going to be to go one-on-one he's going to get a lot of points just off of putbacks and being more athletic than the guy trying to box him out. Um, so that'll probably be his role. And I think he'll excel at it.
1: And that's probably another reason why we've heard like braving reports about how good he is and that he could even go into the NBA if he had enough playing time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's got athletic athleticism for the NBA. I'll tell you that. Like I was shocked um by just the quick five minutes he played. I'm like, Oh wow. He's, He's gifted, so it was fun to see. Um, if that's the last group that's going to get into the game for our blowouts, man, yeah, you're right. Stay for the end of the game because uh, it's going to be electric.
1: And today, just to preview real quick, uh, if you want to go ahead and talk basketball, yeah. well, you want to do football recap? or a...
0: Let's go ahead and talk basketball. We can go ahead and preview them, okay. um, Loyola.
1: I saw today George put out a graphic about uh, Joel Berry's prediction for the game. And he says we're getting biscuits tomorrow night. He said we're going to drop 101 on Loyola's head tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, and uh, I trust Joel Berry with everything. So, if Joel Berry says we're getting biscuits, then I trust we're getting biscuits. I want biscuits. I was calling for biscuits at the exhibition game. Will, you know this. And it was only five minutes into the game. Like, I want biscuits. Um, That would be great. I want a great dominant performance. I think we will get it. I'm excited about Loyola, man. This is this is a long time coming. We had a tough year. The pod started on a tough basketball season and will we deserve a good basketball season, a good sports season for that matter. We haven't had anything too great in the main dominant sports here at Carolina. So give us a good basketball season. Give us a lot to talk about and Loyola is the start of that.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a great first week of the basketball season. Loyola starts it for us. I can't, wait to be there tomorrow I know you're getting there before they even open up tomorrow to be front row or in some capacity seats or risers Um, yeah I mean it's I love just how deep we are because everyone's going to be competing with each other for every game like a game like this where you didn't have as many guys maybe competing for minutes you might just see a casual win but here like I feel like there's just so many different storylines like Leahy Black definitely has a point to prove that he wants to be in the starting lineup other guys, too, like wants more minutes. And the only way you do that is by performing well in games like this where you have the opportunity before we get to the ACC play. So, I mean, even though this is a game that we're favored by so much that they don't even have a line for, there's just so much going into it that I want to see how everyone plays. And, you know, this really kind of sets the stage for the rest of the season a little bit. The, you know, the first probably five games of the year where you're not playing as high level competition yet.
0: Yeah, I think tomorrow night will be the night that we know how Hubert is going about, like the lineups and things like that, because if we have a whole different starting lineup tomorrow night, then I'm going to assume uh, Coach Davis is just switching it up um, and and seeing what works. But if we have the same lineup, I can also kind of assume, oh, maybe these are the guys that do look better and are practicing together, and maybe this is going to be why he sticks with if everybody – plays well when he puts it out there so that's going to be interesting um Lee, i mean leaky could very well get back in the lineup tomorrow night i would love to just see the same old caleb love rj Curlwin, garcia um baycott i could see man getting in though i mean i could see many different things happening we like you said we're just so deep um we have so many options that's what kind of makes the
1: beginning of the year fun with all that said do you have one Maybe thing that you're most looking forward to seeing how it goes tomorrow. For me, I'll give you time to think about it. For me, I'd love to see just our three-point shooting attempts, makes, and then, of course, kind of comparing it with the past previous seasons to see just how much more of an adjustment we've actually had because we've heard, oh, we're going to be shooting a lot more threes. So I'd like to see, like, actually, oh, how many more threes and are we shooting about the same percentage? A little more who's shooting those, like is Mondo? taking those in Garcia, some of the big guys, or is it more of the, you know, guards shooting those? So that's one thing that I definitely want to be tracking early in the year for us. So
0: the one thing that I want to see and that I think will be very important to us for the rest of the year is I would love to see either RJ or, or Caleb or both have an absolute great game. And I'm talking about, I would love to see one of them drop 20 plus, um, just because the things that does for your confidence early on in a season, we need them to be high-level ACC guards, especially Caleb. So if he can have, like, an awesome game tomorrow night, 20 and 5, you know, even, like, 19 and 7, like, something like that, just a good stat line for a Carolina point guard, I think that would do wonders for their confidence and overall just be great for the team. So I just want to see them to have a really good game. Great point. It's going to be fun, Will. Um, that is at 7 p.m. on ACC Network. You have to watch it. If you're not there, turn on the TV, cheer them on hard. Um, it's going to be a fun one. But, Will, basketball is not the only thing on the menu. We had one of the best games, uh, definitely, of the season on Saturday. The Heels pulled up a huge upset over no, number nine Wake for us, 58-55, an absolute shootout. I wasn't there feel kind of bad about that, but you were, Will. Tell me
1: about the experience. Matt, let me first say it was cold. Oh, was it? <laughs> it, was, it was so cold, the wind. Like, it was nothing like Chapel Hill this Monday and Tuesday where you're getting into 70-degree weather. You know, this was one of those definitely below 60. It felt like 40, I think it was mid to low 50s, but you had the wind factor the sun wasn't really out and you're, you know, not moving around too much. Um, I couldn't feel my feet. I was so cold <laughs> and I get cold pretty easily. So I was kind of suffering a little bit. So I needed some high energy plays and that's exactly what we got to keep me engaged and not uh, freezing to get death out there. Um, I was kind of, there are tons of people had hot chocolate, Matt. Like I'm telling you, it was, it was the coldest game I've been to in, You know, especially with COVID and everything in several years.
0: Well, that comment right there makes me a lot less regretful because if anybody knows me, I get cold super easily, and once I'm cold, I'm I'm just not happy. So,
1: oh, you. I'm glad. I'm glad
0: I. um, Even though I missed a great win and missed storming the field, um, me being cold for three hours. Probably would not have bowed well. And I just got over a little bit of a cold, so I probably would have been sick again. So maybe it all worked
1: out. Well, the game was four hours, so yeah, four factor hours. all that in that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of injuries, as you know, the, yeah. the other teams tend to have it on our turf field for whatever reason. But, um, I mean, what a performance. This is a game, and, you know, several years ago, we went into fourth quarters winning or tight games, And you kind of felt like we'd find a way to lose the game. And we did. And now since Mac has been back in these games for the past several years now, you know, since he's been here, it just seems like in the fourth quarter, I could feel it too, that we would somehow find a way to win. If we could overcome a little bit, like have some momentum going into the fourth quarter, you had to feel like we just, I mean, that was just kind of the mentality of the team now, that we found a way to Improbably beat Duke, you know, with the interception, like on like plays that you wouldn't have even thought would happen. Miami interception late in the game after not doing anything with really turnovers most of the game or defensive stops against them. And then the same thing here, Matt. Like, are, all of a sudden, something changed. We uh, on ESPN, Wake Forest had a 95% chance of winning in the third quarter, up 18 points on us. Um, We were dead to rights, plenty of other people were probably ready to leave after the next, you know, bad possession, you know, that's what we always say is, oh, we'll leave after, if we don't score on this drive, but we scored on that drive, you know, kept it a game, and then all of a sudden we strung together a few stops on defense, we got to the fourth quarter, we did the fourth quarter, the fours up, and then we were all of a sudden a different team. And one thing that you may not notice, Matt, is that, Sam Howe actually got knocked out of the game for a play. We had to bring in Jacoby Criswell for a play. And as far as I know, we didn't even, Sam Howell didn't throw the ball again for the rest of the game. Didn't need to, it was run plays. But still, um, we had plenty of adversity the whole game that we hadn't dealt with before. Of course, our traditional UNC penalties that we get called for, phantom, not phantom, we have plenty of that you know it's a loose football team but and we were playing a wake forest team that was on top of the world best start in program history and this is our only and first surprisingly top 25 win of the season
0: yeah well uh it's amazing what vegas knows is that minus two and a half heels going into the game vegas always knows we were like what a crazy line they don't know anything they know everything um it was an awesome game. Sam Howe, this was, even though Ty Chandler, and we'll talk about his game, he had a career game, and, and it was big time, and defense, Cameron Kelly came up big. Sam Howe kept us in this game. Those two rushing touchdowns, man, that is pure will. That's not athleticism. That's not even skill, honestly. That is him wanting to win and doing what he has to do with not a great line, not the best receivers in the nation, and he does whatever he has to do to score points for the Hills and keep them in the game. I was more proud that Sam Howell is my quarterback than I've been the last three years. Like it was awesome to watch and he deserved to win. And I'm glad we got it for him. And then, like you said, um, when we needed stops, even though we gave up 55 points, which God told us a lot of points, Cameron and Kelly came up huge twice with two interceptions. Um, the overall defense came up huge with a couple sacks. sacks. Um, it was big time. So Even though it wasn't perfect, it was what Carolina football is. It was up and down, and it was a great fourth quarter. I know Wake Forest, I went to the Wake Forest game maybe two or three years ago when they were up 21-plus on us, and we made that comeback, but we didn't complete it, and it was a tough loss. So we kind of got our revenge. I enjoyed watching the game. Like I said, hate I wasn't there, but I know it had to be fun to be at, even though it was very cold.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's – I just feel like there's so much to talk about. I mean, when you factor in the bye week and then the Notre Dame game, we've had – I mean, it's like four or five guys enter the transfer portal. So we have a little bit of internal turmoil going on. And then we bring this performance together against a top team that, you know, we haven't beaten a top 25 team all year long. And we put that together. Same how was great. This was the first game, and I think this is a – like a a positive here, that Josh Downs didn't have eight receptions. He's had eight-plus in every single game. And, of course, that's an NCAA, like, highest amount that any receiver's being targeted. He has the most yards receiving. But for this game, he didn't have the most yards on the team, which I was very happy to see, that finally there's someone else that's able to catch the ball and do some stuff. Like Ty Chandler getting a couple huge grabs for us. Down the field, too, not even just screenplays. Um, Antoine Green, he came up big. And let's not forget our preseason man of the year, Justin Olsen. Finally. He, he This man earned a pass interference and said, no, no, not just 15. We're doing it at the spot. And he caught that sucker. Yeah. Unreal catch. I don't know one in the stadium thought he'd come down with that because it's Justin Olsen who, you know, he hadn't really done anything the whole year. Look like at catch like that but he looked like Daz Newsome <laughs> when he came down with that ball
0: yeah man you know how happy I was for Justin Olsen I was actually on my way to Georgia watching this game had it on my phone all into it yelling just like I'm at the game and my boy Justin Olson gets this big time play for the hills you have to have these kind of plays obviously it's a shootout it's 58-55 we knew it was going to be a shootout so Big-time play, I'm happy for him. I'm very happy for um, Green because, man, has he had his struggles. He had his up and downs. But he played a huge part. Once again, this is almost like the coming-out game for a lot of guys that were spo- supposed to be good all year but haven't had the years that they won't. But they all finally came together for one game, especially on the offense, and did what they had to do to get a, the biggest win of the year.
1: And let me give you some more adversity here. Ty Chandler, first play of the game, we received the ball, turnover, fumble. Yeah. We don't – I mean, we, we do a lot of things, but we don't fumble the ball. Our running backs don't fumble the ball. Especially first play of the game, we got like eight or nine yards. The crowd was cheering, and all of a sudden the Wake Forest sidelines were just exploding, and we're like, oh, no. Yeah. And then Wake Forest drives or, you know, had the ball really in field goal position, I think we might have held him to a field goal, perhaps. But it was like the worst possible start to the game, right? And then um, going into the second quarter, they got Jeremiah Gimmel, our, our do-it-all captain of the defense, calls out the players on defense. Most important guy besides Sam Howell on the team, probably, right? Um, he gets called for targeting out of the game. A tough consequence for the level of, you know, just I don't even know, just like um, how little of a play it was and the huge consequences that guys have to sit out the rest of the game and sometimes even the next game because they're called for this targeting where they didn't even mean to do something, which kind of seemed like it happened here. So then you had to throw in, it was not Eugene Asante, Matt. We had Cedric Gray, who we didn't think would be a starting linebacker to start the season. And, um, oh, geez, what's his name? Other Our other starting linebacker. Um, Power Eccles.
0: Power Eccles, Buffalo.
1: These two guys we didn't think would be starting linebackers for us. But here they are against the number nine team in the country for three quarters. And, I mean, they had tons of learning opportunities, and they made plays. I know that they are scoring points, but – with how, I don't know, it seems like with how tired the defenses were, that also played a part into it that you have so much back and forth early that, you know, it seems like scoring score just ramps up more and more as the game goes along. But we actually played better as a defense as the game went along, which was crazy for me to believe just due to, like, Gimel being out.
0: Well, and let's not discredit Wake Forest because Wake Forest is a top 15 offense in the nation. Might even be top 10 offense in the nation. Where they win their games is their offense. So we knew they were going to come in and put big points. I don't know if 55 was a number that would have guessed, but we knew they were going to put up points, and we knew our offense had to be good. It was about our defense making plays when they had to make plays, and they did, they did that without their leader, without their quarterback, pretty much, um, Jeremiah Gimbel. So – for them to show up, I'm sure it was a, a big-time learning game for a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that didn't have a lot of experience because, like we said, we thought Eugene Asante was going to be the absolute man this year. hasn't worked out that way. So you got to seize that opportunity when you get it, and, and power equals, and, and and all those guys did. So, man, Will, it had to be exciting, though, when you know that clock hit zero. Tell me about – did you want to hit on something else?
1: One more point, point. Okay. And right. I'd love to hit on it. Yeah. You know, this weekend for me is really the weekend of the transfers. We had so many transfers from basketball. Walker Kessler transfer out. We've had transfers come in for basketball. And lo and behold, those two transfers were probably our two best players on Friday night. Yeah. Here we are on Saturday. And we had, like we said, plenty of transfers out over the past week and a half, two weeks yet our transfer running back was the man that had a career high. He's played 54 collegiate football games, people, and this is his career high of 213 yards, four touchdowns. Somehow bested what Sam Howell did running the football, which is hard to do this year, but he somehow did it and put the game away with that 50-yard run at the end of the game too. I think that, you know, as a fan base, it's so interesting that, like when we see players leave, you know, we're congratulating them. We're still following them. We don't hold it personally. And I I'm, would be very surprised if other top collegiate fan bases are still doing the same thing, too. I think that is probably one thing that sets UNC apart is that, you know, of course, we, everyone wants transfers to come in. But when a guy leaves, we actually like still support him. For example, um, our kicker Noah Ruggles transfers out to Ohio State. That man hasn't missed a kick this year. Number one in the nation, he might win the the kicker of the year award for that performance, but yet we get the transfer. um, Grayson Atkins from Citadel, right? And he had some big time field goals for us this weekend, including, I mean, just it felt like every extra point was backed up for some reason, and he just kept hitting them. So, I mean, I think that that's a huge storyline just that, you know, sure some guys are leaving, and Mac has said this too, that you know, if you aren't getting playing time, like we understand, no hard feelings. But we're also going to be looking to bring guys in if we feel like they can contribute. And we saw that on basketball court and on the football field this weekend.
0: Will, correct me if I'm wrong, and I may be wrong. Is Cameron Kelly not a transfer?
1: He's a transfer from um, Auburn, right?
0: That may be correct. Two interceptions on Saturday. So Two why a catch by you. You know, we've heard uh, NC State last call themselves quarterback youth. They're not. Um, but our basketball team does not call themselves point guard youth, which they are. We might be transfer you in basketball and football at this point because between Cam Johnson um, and the, the two transfers this year, if they show out to be like we, what we think they're going to be and then the football team showing out like this, uh, we might have to start calling ourselves that. and Put it on a T-shirt, I'll tell you that. Um that you, that's a spot on uh, observation. I think that's a great observation. Transfers were the highlight of the weekend.
1: And to your point now I just want to touch on that. Clock at zero like you said and just a everyone is storm in the field. Uh, I guess you saw it on your on your feed as you're watching it right? As it was coming down to it, mad I was cold, okay? <laughs> I was just happy that Wake did not kick a field goal. We're at four hours into this game, mind you. This is It's at four o'clock. And I got there at like 11 to get there early to get some merits because I wanted to get, you know, skip the line and go ahead and get my food. So I've been there for five hours, okay? <laughs> and I was just glad Wake didn't kick the field goal. We're going to be going or else we'd go into probably like eight overtimes with this team right like that's they had it written all over it yeah so once we hit that the um i went with my sister and brother-in-law like they were kind of saying you want to go on the field and you know i was kind of like man i want to get in the car okay <laughs> i i'm pumped we won and it wasn't even just like a principal thing of not wanting to rush the field against wake but you know i was i i just want to get to the car i mean i was i was pretty cold <laughs> um so that was my main thing for not rushing but we of course stayed, you know, a minute or two for to see what it all looked like. And it was, I mean, tons of people rushed the field. Jump around with football players. We made a little, they made a little path for them to leave, jump around was playing. I mean, absolute scenes. And we haven't had that. I'd like to know the last time that we rushed the field.
0: Yeah, I don't definitely, I mean, definitely not since me and you've been at UNC. Um, yeah, turn that heat on, Will. Turn that heat on. That's all That's probably all I would be worried about also. Um, I'd at least be looking for a hand when we're at, uh, somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I saw scenes. Obviously, everybody that we know posted on their Instagram if they were on the field or posted on Snapchat. Or, um, but, obviously, my friend Matthew, who I'm mostly at every game with, um, see him on TV. He's the first guy. He's leading the charge um onto the field with his hands up. You love to see it. So I was happy for them. I was happy for the people there. I was happy for the football team that they got to experience that. Uh hate I missed it once again. But well I, I can't promise that I would have even done it like you said because if it was that cold for four hours, um I might not would have even been able to run. I might would have been stuck to the seat honestly the way I get cold. So uh I was just happy that we got to experience it and I'm most happy that we got to win. Cause that's all that matters.
1: Yeah, man, it's easy a day or two after to say, "Oh, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that cold." But dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm humble. No, no, it was it was tough. And for this Wofford game that we still have, I'm gonna be double prepared for the weather in that game. I'm not gonna let it sneak up on me in one bit.
0: Yeah, uh, it's all about preparation at this point. I'm telling you, get those hand warmers. Put two pairs of socks on. If you Bring got a blanket.
1: Get you- you got to get some long are jobs, acquainted. man. Put
0: them long jobs under yeah. your pencil, I'm, um, I'm glad you were there, though, because at least one of us has to be at every event, and we are. Um, so it's a good part of Carolina Way Pod. We show up when we need to.
1: Who's going to Pittsburgh?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's Heinz Field. I bet it's cold. You talk about cold? Pittsburgh has to be cold right now. We will not be there, but we'll be there in spirit. We will be at the f- basketball game on Friday, also. We'll have a pod. Sometime this weekend or early next week, that recaps Pittsburgh and Brown basketball game on Friday. We look forward to that.
1: I mean, this football game was huge because we needed to win this one or Pitt or State to be at the sixth win for bull eligibility, right? Um, so it's nice that we could at least get this one out of the way. Now that we win this one, I mean, storm the field, it's set up for us to lose it. On the road to pit because we have the terrible streak. Mac doesn't have the streak, but Mac in the um in state ACC opponents, even though it's not an ACC game, Mac Brown is 23 and one. Matt,
0: wow, 23 and one. Who that who is that one?
1: It's going to be Wake Forest a couple years ago that you were at. Oh, wow, that's, that's wild, isn't it?
0: Wow, and that one, and we almost came back on that one. Um. Yeah. What a great, yeah, that's a great line. Vegas doesn't believe we have a chance against Pitt. I don't think. I think the line's pretty obvious. Five and a half. Five and a half, yeah. I would say that's a fair line. I think it could be a letdown game or or we could use, you know, it's a short week, but we could use the game on Saturday as motivation. It's gonna be interesting to see.
1: Um, and one other thing, Matt Brown after the game, it was interesting. He had more optimism for the team than I think we do. It seems that we're kind of thinking like thinking that we aren't going to get that much better by the end of the year. But he was saying the offensive line, in his estimation, was getting better. He was like, you can't have a good offensive line if your centers aren't healthy. And he was saying the centers are getting more healthy than ever with Anderson and then number 69. Um, I think he's—I think it was a Zudu, maybe. He was like, he had an ankle problem, and it's been getting better every week. So he thinks the O-line is just getting better better and better which is great to hear and then he was talking about the guys that were stepping up the receivers a young team um you know you wouldn't have seen this type of production earlier on in the year so he was thinking that we you know by the time we get to the bowl game we might be a top four team in the country with how he thinks that we're progressing which is uh you know pretty exciting
0: yeah i i, I don't want to be a pessimist here i will say this i love Matt brown more than any Coach in the nation. I love Carolina football more than anything. I just this reminds me of last year where you start getting excited for the next year again. And it's like, yeah, beat state, beat pit. I'm gonna be so excited. And that'll get me excited for next year. And i fall for it because I always fall for it. And I think we can be great next year. One last thing to end on, Will, Jacoby Criswell coming in over Drake May. I don't know if that's a red shirt thing. I don't know what that is interesting though i'm guessing it's a registered thing if it's not a registered thing we might that might be a sign of who's going to be the starting quarterback next year um i always assume drake may would be but it was interesting to see just for that one play who came in
1: well i mean we also saw this against virginia right i mean we're blowing out virginia in the fourth quarter and our backup was jacoby criswell right he came in um so i was kind of surprised by that too because i think everyone agrees that drake may is our future yeah. And Jacoby Criswell has had time to compete for this starting job, and we hadn't seen him before. And, you know, he played garbage time against Western Carolina that we were at last year. I didn't think that much of him at the time. So I just thought naturally with Drake May coming in, this five-star prospect we got away from Alabama, he would be our guy, but who knows?
0: You never know. Um, it could be a thing where which one's more likely to transfer if they're unhappy, and that could be Criswell. So let's throw him in there and, and make him feel a little comfortable. I don't think Drake May would knock on wood. I don't think he, I think he's a tar heel through and through. I don't think he's transferring no matter what. So it could be something like that. Let's keep him happy. We'll find out soon enough. I mean, you know, we'll start talking next football season in the next four weeks. So
1: but I will say though, with where we were, it was like Maybe the four yard line, maybe five, and I think that the scouting report will probably tell them more that because they probably don't have anything on scouting report of Drake May, but they yeah. do know that they have a scouting report on Chriswell, so they know that he can be a dual threat guy like Sam Howell. So I think that that was probably also keeping them honest a bit too.
0: I like that. That's a good thought. Just an interesting things you notice. Um, it was a great week in Carolina sports, though. It's always good to have basketball and football going on at the same time. Some best prime time of the year. Um, I look forward to this week and I look forward to the next pod.
1: Tar Heels in the NBA.
0: <laughs> oh, you want to talk a little bit?
1: No, no. I mean, I mean, Cole Anthony is just yeah, he is the truth. We need a nickname for him. He's blowing up.
0: I know, and he's so like it's not just a Carolina thing anymore. Like, I mean, everybody's posting about him. He's dropping thirty-three points. He's doing it in every way possible. He's doing floaters, he's doing dunks, he's doing threes. Um, You love to see it.
1: The crazy thing for me was, you know, they were trying to, earlier in the year before the season started, they were estimating what uh, the Magic would be doing in the future, what their team would look like, free agents they were trying to get. And they just didn't put Cole Anthony in, like, their starting lineups for the future or anything. They just talked about how Jalen Suggs was the guy that they're building around. And I'm like, wait, Cole Anthony's still here. This means shooting 40% from three so far this year and averaging 19 points. And, well, I mean, he's – if he does anything remotely like he's done the rest of the year, he's going to be a starter for many years, at least for the Magic.
0: Well, yeah, the reason they don't put him in the future start lineups well is because he will force a trade in his hometown, New York Knicks, and they will be NBA champions. So, uh, Bing Bong – uh, that's how it goes. All
1: right, <laughs> that's just how it goes. <laughs> you love to see it. Yeah, that that New York to Chapel Hill pipeline works the other way too.
0: It does. It, we all give you something. You give us something. We get you, We gave you World Wide Wild. We gave you your number one super fan. Uh, he's overtaking Spike Lee at this point. So yeah, I mean that pipeline's big time. But will. Till next time. It's a great day to be a tar-heel. Great week to be a Tar Heel.
1: See you next time. Go Heels.